Oz does the jitterbug at the wagon wheel. Hello, I'm Michael L. Harris, and this is Midwest Entertainment Review, a place where I speak candidly about the entertainment that I've seen throughout the Midwest with a concentration on northern Indiana. And today I'm reviewing The Wizard of Oz at the Wagon Wheel Theater in Warsaw, Indiana. The first thing that comes to mind for most of us when we think about The Wizard of Oz is the classic movie starring Judy Garland. The task of recreating or even believably mimicking the performances in that film are nearly impossible. The stage play is much more campy and the character is much more cartoonish, unlike the film which tends more towards the believable and the realistic performance of particularly the Scarecrow, the Lion, and the Tin Man. This is probably why the producers of the film and the brass at MGM chose to cut out the intro portions to many of the songs including Somewhere Over the Rainbow, If I only had a brain, if I only had a heart, and if I only had the nerve. And cutting out completely the song Jitterbug. And I believe they made the right choices. I don't believe the Jitterbug in particular would have complemented the film. They did, however, film the scene. Very little of the film's Jitterbug sequence remains today, but the entire music track has been edited with stills and what visual images do exist and can be seen on YouTube. Check it out. The Wagon Wheel always does quality work, but I will admit it took me a while to reframe my brain into the campier performances. For me, most of them worked. Maggie Kuntz's performance of Glinda, however, did not work for me, although her Annie M was acceptable. I felt she took Glinda over the top, uh, really satirizing the character in front of us. It's one thing to give a highly characterized or even campy performance, but it's another when the actor doesn't really believe what they're doing, and it is important that the actor believes himself, even while acting in a campy manner. For me, it was almost as if she was standing outside of the character saying, hey, look how silly I look. It it just didn't work for me. Ashlyn Maddox, on the other hand, was very believable as Dorothy, and Koopy Jessup outstanding as the Scarecrow. It's obvious that Jessup is also a very well-trained dancer, even when portraying an exuberantly clumsy scarecrow. Mark Matrano's portrayal of the Tin Man was also well executed, and the trio all joined in a brief tap dance sequence, which was one of the highlights of the performance for me, and showed the versatility of those performers. Michael Pacholsky's Lion was less enjoyable for me. While I don't expect him to be a Burt Lahr, I just didn't get the feeling that he had the depth of professional engagement in the character as I did with the other three main characters. The Munchkin Ensemble was, for the most part, well cast and well rehearsed. There were some slight vocal flubs, but the dance numbers were effective and well executed down to the littlest Munchkin. My one disappointment with the Munchkin sequence was that the voices of the Munchkins were not as varied in in tonal quality as I would have preferred. Part of what made the different munchkins and their musical parts so effective in the movie was shifting from high to low and squeaky to crispy voices. That was not evident here, and all of the voices seemed to blend together more than contrast and enhance one another. Not a major flaw, but just a consideration that seemed to have been passed over by director Scott Michaels. His staging and choreography were, however, every bit in keeping with the Wagon Wheel's long history of stellar performances. In recent years, the staging at the wagon wheel has seemed to turn more inwardly, often blocking characters' expressions. This performance returns to the earlier theater-in-the-round staging traditionally exhibited at the wagon wheel. In last year's podcast, reviewing performances at the wagon wheel, I noted that the former scenic designer often placed large set pieces in sight lines. Ray Zupp's design is much more conscientious of the intricacies of designing for theater-in-the-round. 
yet some of his exterior set pieces were fairly high, often obscuring center stage actors, particularly during crowd sequences, but not frequently enough to be overly concerning. And I'm pleased to say there was a live orchestra. As you may know, that has been one of my pet peeves with many of the other local theaters. Wagon Wheel always comes through with shining colors on that account. And in fact, the orchestra led by Thomas Hall was so superb that I spent the first 15 minutes of the show brooding over the fact that they were using a track, when in fact it was a live orchestra and was so expertly played that I couldn't imagine that the sounds being played live were coming from the nine players in the belly of the theater. This was, of course, before I reviewed the program. But they did, and proved once again that a live orchestra does make an extraordinary difference, particularly for actors, I believe, which is then communicated with that extra little bit of adrenaline that they derive from the live orchestra to us, the audience. Wagon Wheel, like all theaters, took an extraordinary hit during the pandemic. So get out there and support them, and if you're in a position to do so, make an extraordinarily generous donation. The Wizard of Oz runs at the Wagon Wheel through June the 12th. The full season includes Guys and Dolls, The Music Man, Big the Musical, Pride and Prejudice, Nonsense, and with add-on shows, The Rocky Horror Show and Elf in October and December, respectively. For more information, contact the Wagon Wheel Center for the Arts. Midwest Entertainment Review is produced by Sastin Media, which also produces the new internet series, Indiana Roadside Markers. Explore the history behind the historical markers you see along Indiana's roadsides. Indiana Roadside Markers can be found on YouTube by typing Indiana Roadside Markers into the YouTube search engine. Midwest Entertainment Review is also available on YouTube and can be found by typing Midwest Entertainment into the search engine and looking for the stunning picture of my six-year-old self in a cowboy suit with a plastic guitar on the blue Midwest Entertainment Review background. I'm Michael Harris, and I'm a proud member of SAG-AFTRA, and this program is produced under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Original music for this program is produced and written by Mark McPeak. If you're a venue owner wishing for me to review one of your shows, please contact me, Michael L. Harris, at sastunemedia at gmail.com. That's S-A-S-T-U-N-M-E-D-I-A at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sastoon Media, who holds the copyright. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. <laughs>